You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 143, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Um, can we get some Helga workout videos, please? Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. My name is Chelsea. This is Morgan. Hello, hello, hello. We are your go-to fans for all things Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. The Animation Addicts podcast is just a group of friends. We sit around, we pick one animated movie every couple weeks, and we decide that we're just going to talk all about it. All about everything. The ins, the outs. You are going to know everything about Atlantis by the time you're done with this. Or at least... (laughs) Everything that we know. A fair chunk of it. Yes. yes. You're going to know everything that we know about Atlantis. (laughs) Or that Wikipedia, IMDb, or the interwebs have told us. Special bonus features and other interviews. Yes. That's basically our sources. So, Atlantis the Lost Empire. This is a patron pick episode by one of our patrons. It's by Maggie. So, thank you, Maggie. Her first episode that she wanted to pick was Titan AE. But we already had reviewed that was another patron pick. So her second pick was Atlantis. Both similar vibes, kind of. I mean, not necessarily like one is space, but they're both kind of like these adventure and they kind of have similar looks and they came around similar eras. So she has a... It's that 2D, 3D Mm -hmm. hybrid. Yes, with the very stylized characters with the Uh jaw, you know, the characters with their jaws that are very angular. It's true. You know. It's true. So let's let's deep let's dive down and find some Atlantis, shall we? Let's. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Now we've all heard of the legend of Atlantis. Pure fantasy. Well, that is where you'd be wrong. That young thatch gets crazier every year. I can prove Atlantis exists. I'm sure of it this time. Milo James Thatch. I'm acting on behalf of my employer, who has a most intriguing proposition for you. It's the Shepherd's Journal. This journal is the key to finding the lost continent of Atlantis. I'll never believe you. I will find Atlantis on my own. I mean, if I have to rent a rowboat. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. But forget the rowboat, son. We'll travel in style. You're going to need a crew. Yes, Mr. Thatch. Well, you'll need engineers and, and geologists. Got them all. Best of the best. Gaetan Moliere, Geology and Excavation. Audrey Ramirez, don't let her age fool you. The name's Sweet, Joshua Sweet, Medical Officer. Vincenzo Santorini, Demolitions. Hey, look, I made a bridge. Lieutenant, take her down. Diving officer, submerge the ship. Dive, dive! Chances for survival rest with you, Mr. Patch. You and that little book. So Atlantis was released June 15th, 2001. It was directed by Gary Trusdell and Kirk Wise, who you might know of Beauty and the Beast fame, since that's a very hot topic right now. People are mentioning the original, comparing another similar Beauty and the Beast film to the original. And that is quite a fabulous movie. So they are a great uh, Disney directing duo. They also mm-hmm. Don Hahn produced this. They were kind of the trio of the time. Mm -hmm. Don Hahn, I mean, he's worked with everyone. He's been around. Yeah. In a good way. (laughs) And uh, he just has his fingers in all the Disney pies. Yeah, he really does. He's a great guy. And he is very, very tall. He is. Yes. I have a picture of me when we went to Destination D a couple years ago. This man is ginormous. (laughs) In a good way. In a great way. But I mean, it's just like, whoa, you're really tall. And I don't consider myself a short girl. I'm five, five and a half, which is, I consider pretty average. Mm-hmm. And, but like, he was, I was definitely like not even up to his armpit. It was yeah. like, dude, you're huge. <laughs> yep. Good man too. Really nice. 
And the fact that he let me take a picture with him, it was just like... Yeah, he was very kind. He was so nice. And it was like, oh. And every interview I've ever heard of him, he's just a very... You can just tell he's great with people. Mm-hmm. And he's great at burn, like um, getting rid of fires. He's that type of a guy. So like, he's a guy that you want on your project to get it done. So both Gary, Kirk, and Don, that is our... Our little trio here. So the budget was 90 to 120 million estimated. Not quite sure. Disney hasn't quite released those numbers, but that's basically what it would be. And box office is at $186.1 million worldwide, which, mm, I mean, it made a profit a little bit, but this movie is largely considered to be kind of. Uh, I guess somewhat of a flop. I guess I think it's just not the, what they wanted. Yes, exactly, obviously. because they had had string after string after string. Um, you know, maybe not in the late '90s; those weren't as big as some in the early '90s. However, it just seemed anything Disney touched during this period turned to gold. And I really do think that this marks kind of Disney's turning point into that new era of animation. Uh, you know, that during the you know the 2000s era of Disney where things weren't so great. Right. Well, I mean, it was, I mean, (laughs) Treasure Planet was the real low point of all of the, of the time period. This one was still, you know, kind of good for par. Um, It was basically a little bit lower than Emperor's New Groove and a little bit lower than Lilo and Stitch. So it was just, well, quite a bit lower, actually. Lilo and Stitch came out of nowhere as being a huge hit. But, yeah, so it was kind of like, you know, not par for the course. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was. I don't know, for the time. No, I mean, it, it didn't help the downward trend. Let's just right. put it that way. It just continued the downward trend as far as that went. So, Yeah, but as far as I'm looking at a graph that I found that says the gross of the film as compared to an IMDb rating system that they have. And it's like Atlantis also, IMDb was quite low mm-hmm. compared to you know Emperor's New Groove which was super high and even Lilo and Stitch was super high I don't think that's necessarily fair I yeah. liked this movie and I don't yeah I, I think so yeah we'll talk about it but I think a lot of people have really low you know just a negative feeling about this film it's not necessarily someone's favorite uh, or in, in their top echelon mm-hmm. of films and however going back and watching it it's not that bad it's not. but it's not that great no. To me, as we were watching it, it had a lot of reused elements. It felt like it had pieces of Pocahontas, pieces of Tarzan, you know, where this character goes to a land with, you know, natives or people who are, you know, you're an outsider there. The the younger member of the clan takes you in. The head honcho is not interested in you. I mean, very much felt <laughs> right. Pocahontas and Tarzan yeah. to me in that way. And so to me, as I was watching this, it just didn't feel fresh. And it had these action moments and this adventure. It was supposed... Basically, let's go back to the history of this film. After Hunchback of Notre Dame, that team decided they wanted to do an action-adventure Disney animated film with no songs and uh, lots of action-adventure. I I read on their t-shirts... So this was through Wikipedia that I read this, but on their, you know, every casting crew, they have casting crew t-shirts, which I'll include a link. If I find this one, I'll include a link to it on eBay. These, these come up from time to time, but this one said no songs, more explosions. That (laughs) that kind of was the vibe they were going for. This was going to be kind of this Indiana Jones. We're going to go on an adventure. And, um, you know, it's funny because as I was watching the movie, those adventure or even the action sequences were the worst parts of the movie for me. You know, I did not enjoy the parts where they were just, you know, meandering down to the center of the earth and eh, getting to know the crew. I didn't like that. You know, the the action at the end where they're, you know, battling. Yeah. Eh, Didn't like that either. But those are my initial thoughts on this. And we'll talk a little bit more about it. Well, what's interesting is I also listened to the director's commentary, and I had all three of them on there, and they mentioned that in test screenings, those, when they asked the kids, because they were looking at the kids more, like, what were the scariest parts? And they mentioned all of those parts that you just said, and then what were your favorite parts? Oh, obviously, all those parts that you just said. (laughs) So I like, I mean, it depends on who your audience is, I guess. Well, that was another thing that uh, critics and and other people, they mentioned that they didn't really under... Who was this marketed to? No one really knew. Was this a teenager movie because it was a little older? Or was it meant for kids? 
uh, never quite had a very solid who is your target audience. This yeah. is a family film. Um, and so that does hurt a movie because, you know, if you if it's it not does. very clear, this movie is for me, I'm not going to go see it. Right. You know, if it's kind of like straddling two boats, yeah, you might get away with it. But for the most part, you're just going to end up sinking. <laughs> Which they did just like it, like the <laughs> island of Atlantis. <laughs> Ooh. I, you know, I, I don't remember enjoying this movie when it first came out. As far as like my initial thoughts, I think I remember feeling like, really excited about it being like oh this is something to be excited for but i don't feel i don't did i see it in theaters i don't remember and that's the thing like maybe i did but maybe i didn't mm-hmm. i don't know i most definitely saw this in theaters i've mentioned this on previous podcast episodes but this was like the my disney if you were to chart my disney excitement yeah. it just got higher and higher and higher <laughs> every year just loved everything that Disney put out. Was obsessed with animation. Um, Disney, I was like their number one girl. Still yeah. am, but definitely back then. And so I remember when Atlantis was coming out. You know, back then you couldn't really follow a movie more or less than just a year before it came out. You'd, right. you'd go see a Disney movie and they'd give you a trailer for the next Disney movie that was coming right. out a year from then. And that really was your first taste. And I remember from the Wreck moment I saw that, <laughs> from the moment I saw that, I just thought, this is gonna be amazing, you know, because Atlantis, yay, this this cool place, and you saw Kita and kind of the different elements of it, and to me, this just was was it. I even remember that even before the movie came out, I had an Atlantis coloring book, really, that I bought at the grocery store and color in it. And did it was I just, have that too? I might have. So excited for it! <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, I was ahead of my time, you know. I know. Adult coloring is a big deal now. <laughs> I was is. more like teenager coloring, but um, I, I was hip. Yeah. I was with it. <laughs> and I just remember when I saw this movie, I was very much let down. Like, I was the number one person championing championing Atlantis. Let's go see yeah. it. It's going to be amazing. And then it was everyone saw it, and it was like, eh, it wasn't that great. And what do you think, Morgan? Uh, like, <laughs> do, I, do I say it was amazing? It really wasn't. I feel I feel like a lot of the elements were kind of textbook, mm-hmm. and I think that that might have been where they kind of fell. But at the same time, like I, as they were talking, I was listening. As I said, I was listening to the do- director's commentary. It was a lot better than what it could have been. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, whoa! <laughs> in what ways? Well, for example, the opening sequence in the movie now you see the very you know Atlantis in its heyday at the moment of its downfall when you know the floodwaters come in and everybody gets you know destroyed but before and they actually have this sequence on the DVD where you see it's like they take you to Iceland and you have the the Vikings and they have their it's basically following the story of the shepherd's journal as opposed to the actual city and so that's one of those things like uh it's just really funny because they have a lot of little things it's like yeah it's a lot better now that you did you focus on that because that just would have taken things in a much weirder route and what would have just like (laughs) like it just would have just kept going and like where is where's the coming back that's you know I, i like movies that take you back to the beginning like yeah. you had a purpose for that top not yeah. just like a never-ending story that yeah, just keeps exactly. going from point point plot to point plot plot or plot point to plot point <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, dive into this movie shall we let's do that so first off, I want to talk about the fact that they actually made up a language, Atlantean, uh, mm-hmm. for this whole thing. And I like languages. I like learning about my... I, I would consider myself a grammar nerd. Um, my my mom is a grammar Nazi, and so I, I take pride in knowing how to structure a sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it always just made me interested, like, okay, this guy... So they contacted a guy named Mark Orkrand, and he was the one that, between the years of, according to Wikipedia, between the years of 1996 and 2001, he created this language. And it like has 
like writing systems and grammar and the whole shebang. Like this guy went all out. I was like, man, this is a lot of like a lot of rules. Uh-huh. Um, he basically like that they had somebody else come in and actually do a written script for it. So it's just really funny. As I started, I went out for like 20 minutes. I was just going through this whole Wikipedia page of like trying to figure out how this whole language worked. And the more I got into it, the less I cared <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it was just one of those moments. But I will give a couple a couple tidbits of how this goes. Um, so it's kind of like in the lane, in the lane of like Spanish or Portuguese where romantic language uh, yeah the, the romance languages where it's um, you have for example the word comer to eat and then if you do like the past tense it's comi um, in Spanish so basically com and then you have the I at the end which has its own meaning you change the, the ending it then changes the who in the sentence and whatever so it goes subject object verb so for example the podcast Morgan and Chelsea mm-hmm, recorded mm-hmm. So it has a very strict word order, and it didn't deviate from that way at all. So anyway, if you have any interest, you know, that may last more than 20 minutes, go ahead and check out the Wikipedia article. But after 20 minutes, you, I got, I was like, all right, I'm done. So one thing that I think is funny about this language is that it is a direct like letter to letter right. translation i'm like hmm really i'm i have a hard time believing that this ancient language just their a happens to coordinate with our a and <laughs> right. their b coordinates with our b you know i mean that is the most rudimentary i mean there are more um, yeah. nuances to the language but as far as the alphabet goes it it matches up perfectly with an english alphabet for the right. most part there's a few other uh, little uh, words in there but I just got a kick out of it because in the film, he's like, oh, just one letter was wrong. Ireland. Change the R. Iceland. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course, that got lost in translation. We just happen to have two countries that are right near (laughs) near each other with just one letter apart. There you go. Oh, man. How about Iceland? Like, I like how they just kind of cut that whole section out. The search for the the shepherd's journal out. No, no, it's good because I one thing I do enjoy about this movie is that you really do jump into the action. Yeah. Like, I love the beginning because I love how you get to know Milo. And I love that first scene where it's just him and he's a gentleman and he's yes. doing his pitch. And, and you see the shadows. And then I think you can kindly get, you know, midway through, you get a, a sense that, okay, I don't think he's really talking to anyone because he keeps, like, throwing in things um, indicating this isn't a live demonstration right and and then you see oh sad he just works in the boiler room and oh he's he is a fledging linguist who's working in a museum and trying to you know find this i can't ever say cartographer cartographer yes and i like put him in the boiler room (laughs) i really do like milo in these beginning scenes i think he's really endearing i love his animation and i love his design um, when I think about Atlantis, like the, one of the main things I think of are Milo's hands. I know it's really bizarre, but his <laughs> hands, in just the way that these characters are designed, they're very much like squared off and angular. Um, not a lot of curves as far as you know things, the way things are in this film. Um, and so I just always think of his hands because they're very like pointy. <laughs> his fingernails are all triangles. Yes, yes. <laughs> all of them have that. I, you know, I loved Michael J. Fox in it too. He did a great job. A really good really job. Good. I mean, there's a lot of lines in there that he had to do, and he had to like he put so much just endearing nuances to his voice, and I just really liked him. And I've I've always liked Michael J. Fox. He was one of my childhood favorites. Like mm-hmm. you can't go wrong with with no. Back to the Future. <laughs> He's gotten quite a bit of quite a bit more uh, work the last year. Once the thirty years later, ah uh, yes, <laughs> got to hit up those conventions. Yes. <laughs> um, so one thing I was watching this on Amazon, and they okay. have this thing called X-ray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was just really funny during that part. So what it is is if you're watching it, you can turn on X-ray, and anytime a character is speaking, it will kind of flash on the screen or you can hover over it who their voice actor is yeah and it really is like scene by scene like if someone stops talking that person's picture disappears yeah and they start talking then it appears again and as i was watching this the scene where he basically the the, the poor um you know the board of the board the, meeting the board of the muse of the um the board of directors for the museum it's so sad because they're 
just not giving him time of day. They're done with yeah. him. They personally move. They purposely move the meeting, and then when he actually makes it, they oh crap! How do he find us? And they're all running, <laughs> and just during that scene, I was looking at the X-ray, and it said additional voices. Jim Cummings. I'm like yeah. yay, <laughs> our man, our man Jim. <laughs> Oh man, he's great. Well, they had a lot of bigger, like a lot of names in there that they always try to throw. Yeah, in. Yeah, David Ogden Steers was yes. one of the main guys, and um, he's just a great. I mean, I to me when I listen to him, I know he's done tons of things for Disney, but it's just like there's always a hint of Cogsworth in there. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, like we were saying, I really like that they cut out the whole Shepherd's Journal part, right? And we just jump into the action. We get a little bit about Milo. We get his backstory. You know, we go to this old man's house. You know, who's a crazy kook yogi. Well, first, let's talk about Helga. Oh, like, I love Helga. <laughs> Why doesn't Helga have more fan art? Why doesn't she get more attention and praise? She's an awesome woman. <laughs> She's, well, aside from the fact that she ends up being a villain, you know. Well, but, that's even better. As I was going through, I thought, I was like, I would love to cosplay her, but I feel like everyone would just think I'm trying to be Kim Possible, like a blonde Kim Possible. <laughs> Like, no, but just, she's like, she's like pretty buff and oh, yeah, you know, like Snow White. Yes, <laughs> Snow White got ripped. <laughs> no, no, she's very uh, muscular and very athletic looking and blonde. I, I love myself a good blonde. She's right. just a great Disney. Uh, her woman. voice is awesome. I too. love her voice because it's a little deeper, and she also kind of reminded me of Mirage in that scene where she's dressed in that black dress and yeah. she's like walking him through and giving him the lowdown on this mysterious guy, uh, you know, like her employer. Mm-hmm. So I I felt a lot of some Incredibles vibes right there, even though yeah, this yeah. is pre Incredibles. I I liked her a lot, and when I saw her, I was like, oh man, I forgot about her, but. She is definitely a lost Disney leading lady. Yeah. But she kind of also reminded me a little bit of Sergeant Calhoun. But Sergeant Calhoun yes. uh, had a little bit more prominence in, you know, more people would probably remember her than they did Helga. And that's probably because, uh, you know, Atlantis is not, yeah. has been forgotten, just like the city by most right. people. <laughs> well, you know, she walks in, like you walk into his apartment and he's looking for his cat. Where's Fluffy? <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden you see this like sexy lady off in the back and apparently in they were talking about how she was supposed to like throw her her dress over her knee, like hike her dress uh-huh. up a little bit more. And they're like, nah, it's a little too much for a kid's fill. <laughs> but it's so, not a kid's fill. That's I, I guess that's the thing. I guess uh... Like, we don't like when people say these are kids' films, but ultimately, I guess when I the mean, director and the producer say this is a kids' film, I guess we have to yeah, we'll go ag- with... agree. Yeah, but it was just really funny. She's like, who's your employer? And he's, <laughs> it's like, you can obviously, like, obviously a gigolo. Like, who is this woman in my house? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And, well, you go in and you first meet Mr. Whitlock and John Mahoney, who I love him. He's from my one of my favorite sitcoms ever Frasier like (laughs) just I love him so much but he's off there like he's just this very strange wacky wacky old dude that like has like a walk-in fireplace hashtag goals like (laughs) man what the heck is this oh and then also those giant fish those are actually coelacanths ah they were thought to be extinct, but right around that time is when they found some off the coast of Madagascar. And so he's like, well, of course, he's got some coelacanths in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, but then conveniently, we've been hearing about the Shepherd's Journal. Shepherd's Journal, this is the key. Yes, we must find it. Oh, here it is. Your dad gifted it to me. And here, oh. but we're Yeah, that's really not... Forget about Iceland. Yes. <laughs> Moving on. Yes, <laughs> Maybe exactly. <next. laughs> You know, so then we really do jump in the action. We meet the crew. And this is the part where I guess I kind of get lost because I feel there's almost too many people thrown at you at once. Yeah. Like, here's her, and she's the mechanic, and she's the cook, and she's the crazy old lady, and she's her, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And here's the guy who's basically like Clayton from Tarzan. And, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, so let's just dive into him. So we have um, the mole. <laughs> Mr. Mole. Corey Burton, which... That's a great voice. He's, great guy. He's so great. Well, you know, Commander Rourke, James Gardner, and then Clayton. Clay- Clayton. Yeah, he's the Clayton character. Because it's totally like this is another similarity is you have like the guy who's supposed to you know lead the way into this new yeah. adventure land mercenary. Yeah, and basically is going in there to kill or take something from these people or creatures, right? Which he did, but we don't know that. 
It was the prequel to the nowadays Disney villain who starts out being your friend, but at the end <laughs> is no longer our friend. Exactly, <laughs> The villain in, in disguise. Um, Helga was Claudia Christian. We talked about her. John Mahoney was Preston B. Whitmore. We liked him. Sweet. Dr. Sweet. Dr. Sweet. <laughs> I love Dr. Sweet. He, he is a great... great Disney doctor. <laughs> yes. I don't know very many of them, but he I just loved his character. Kind of wish we had more of him. He was like so sassy and funny. And I just I he was one of my favorites of the crew. Yeah, so Phil Morris was the voice actor for him, and he was actually not supposed to be the regular actor. He was just kind of like a stand-in voice. But he did oh. so well that they're like, "No, keep him." Yeah. <laughs> He's good, man. He was great. He was great. So next we have Vinny, and that is voiced by Don Novello. For him, they would never even give him lines. They would just say, he needs to tell his background. <laughs> so um, he just goes ahead and he's like, all right. So he just goes off and he like made up the whole flower shop thing. And he made up the whole background <laughs> yeah, story like Robin Williams. on the spot. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> it really made me appreciate all of these guys. I mean, just very talented folks. I really liked the voice cast. I really liked the whole ensemble, and it really was an ensemble cast. Mm -hmm. And I felt like you did get to know them a little bit more, and you kind of got to like them all, and they all just had their very distinct personalities, Mm -hmm. which I felt added a lot of roundness to the plot. Mm -hmm. Um, Without that, I don't think it would have had any charm at all. Like, that was very important to have some charm for this film. Mm -hmm. I don't... I actually didn't think it was a bad film. I liked the film. It wasn't something no, that's... No, it's, it's not as bad as it seems to be remembered. Right, yeah. And I think it just... The replay value is just kind of lower. But it's still like a good film, I think. One thing that was a miss for me was the voice of Audrey Ramirez. And just Audrey's character in general. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really... I guess her voice was okay. But I just didn't really resonate with her character. Yeah. Her character kind of felt like the oh, certain parts of the ensemble felt like a super force. Like, oh, we're going to have all this diversity and we're going to have this female Hispanic mechanic. Yeah. Which I've seen in Turbo recently. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, and she's like this teenager and I, I get what they were trying to do with her. Yeah. But I, something was amiss for me with that particular character. But um, I also did like the Wilhelmina, who's the old lady who's smoking, which I appreciated that they showed her smoking because I feel like even in that era, I'd be like, oh, smoking's bad, which it is. But we can't show, can't show someone smoking. But I mean, come on. Well, they, they said we were very secure in the fact that we didn't think that she uh, glamorized smoking. <laughs> yes, and she's so old and wrinkly and puckered that it was like, ugh. And the, the part was like, like, yeah, you forget your pajamas? I sleep in the nude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, you're going to need these. She sleepwalks. Like, yeah. oh, jeez. Like, obviously, this lady has got is crazy, but she's always talking to Margie. Like, Margie seems like a very good friend. Oh, yeah. I need, <laughs> always I need one of those. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then... Oh, Jebediah Cookie Farnsworth. His voice was given by Jim Varney. Okay, so Jim Varney, he does the voice. He's Ernest. Yeah. Well, no, but he's also Slinky. Yeah, yeah, In Toy Story, the whole time, I'm like, who is Slinky Dog? Slinky Dog. Yeah. Yeah, it's because it was him. So (laughs) he recently passed, so he was not able to be in the the third Toy Story film. Oh, Jim Varney. And what was really funny is... They apparently had only like a couple lines for him, but they always booked about three hours of record time uh-huh. for him because they just liked hearing his stories. Awesome. <laughs> like every time they brought him in, it's like at least three hours because he ended up doing like all this stuff. And at the very end of the director's commentary, I mean, like the very last minute, you have to go back and listen. They all three of them go ahead and they sing this song that apparently he sang in one of them. Like all three of them were like, singing this like like just got down off the mountain type of a song oh my goodness it's really funny so you should definitely like look at the commentary the last minute of it just in case because that one was well worth it all right you know we see this ensemble cast and they're each have their 
you know, like you said, we get to know them over time. But initially, I felt overwhelmed because there were like so yeah. many thrown into us. But by the end of it, it's like, oh, okay, they all have their cute little quirks and whatnot yeah. and their own personalities. And you go to like, you learn to like each one of them. You know, Vinny with his dynamite and <laughs> uh, Helga, she's just a tough, tough lady. And the old Wilhelmina with her crazy crass yeah. comments. And it's a good little group. It is quite a good little group. They are. They have, you know, malintent. Yeah, right, yeah. Which we later find out, but more on that later. But, yeah, so you're on the boat. I mean, the submarine, it was just, it it was interesting because it was, this is one of those films that was a hybrid of CGI and 2D. So it just, you know, submerges itself and then the camera does this big old sweep across and you've got the whole machine, the boat is CGI, but you've got... You know, Milo looking out the window, who's a traditional CG or traditional 2D character, and like all these different things. It's a very interesting era. Yes. When I think of this era, it's around what, 97 to 2001. Yeah. Very heavy with, okay, CG, it's new, it's cool. What, how can They're we implement to hold on it? To it still. Yes, we still want 2D, but it can offer really cool aspects and cool things right um and so it's a lot of cgi vehicles yes which work and don't work i think in anastasia they're super clunky and not so great but in this one i was particularly watching them for that effect yeah and if you're watching them looking for is this a cgi character you can see it yeah it's very clear but i felt that this did blend quite well if you weren't so really looking at it once they've gotten into the trek basically they've they've submerged they've gone down you meet up with the leviathan who's the like the guardian uh-huh. of atlantis try to keep them there oh there's ships from every era here like first <laughs> off i'm like like look at those red flag. <laughs> <laughs> well red flag yes but as far as like if you were uh, if you're a historian you would spend all day just right there oh yeah <laughs> like let's look at all these this is amazing but you know at this point in time, they basically destroyed this whole ship. So it was a, like a, they said like a cast or a, a crew of 200 now down to like 12. <laughs> like, and it just doesn't seem like anybody really cared. Yeah. I mean, they did their little vigil with the single candle and everything like that. But like the whole thing, I'm like, uh, I, there's just a lot of people who just yeah. died. This was just mass, you know, passing away. But they're like, ah, we don't need them. <laughs> Story-wise. Too many to animate. Many. And hey, we never got to know their names. So, right, exactly. You know, <laughs> can't really be that sad. <laughs> oh my gosh. So now it's like five boats now into one. Like, like mm. does that just not bother anybody? <laughs> <laughs> they did have a visual. They did have their little like eulogy type thing at the end. But so that's, that's one of the things that's the problem with this movie is that it kind of just rushes through things. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, we got to have this middle section where we're going down to Atlantis. I guess it's more of the beginning. And, oh, to make it really seem hardcore and that it's such a trial, let's just kill off a bunch of people. Right. But at the same time, it doesn't have the emotional weight that it needs for us to care. Yeah. It's like, eh, they're gone. Cool. It's the Now we still have the people who we actually know their names. So move on. Carry on. Yeah. Now we know. Like, we did get that out of it. We know their names now. We know who, the, who all the crew is and their little quirks and everything. And, you know, they it's just... You finally, uh, it really doesn't start, though, until you meet the, the Atlanteans. Mm-hmm. Atlanteans. I, I have a hard time saying that sometimes. <laughs> the Atlanteans. And you see them, like, jumping around in their, like, big old masks and everything. Mm-hmm. And you she, like, reveals herself. It's like, oh, Kida. Mm-hmm. And Kida, can I just say, she is the forgotten princess. Oh, yes. Legitimately. Legitimately forgotten. Nobody cares about Kida. And I'm like, she's, she's a She's amazing. Cool. She's beautiful. Yeah. She, I mean, she should have not let her. I mean, she probably shouldn't have cut her bangs like that. But other than that. <laughs> hey, we all have bad hair, hair that we, we regret, right? We always have bad haircuts. I mean, and she does have that horrible layer right in yeah. the middle of her hair, right. too. It's like, oh, are you, do you have extensions? And that's your real hair. And you didn't blend them oh. very well. I mean, she, she could use a, a little hint. But, you know, she's kind of a blend of a few princesses. She's, yeah. she's a darker skinned princess you know but she has that cool elsa hair yeah so you mix it with like pocahontas and elsa i mean yeah. obviously elsa wasn't around then but i'm just making this right, right and then she has when she's underwater she has the hair of ariel yes it's true 
and everybody wants the hair very she wa- and she also has a mix of pocahontas in the way that she moves and climbs up mountains uh-huh. and trees and things like that cat like so, yes but she is really the forgotten princess and i feel sad about that because like she's a cool princess you know and it's it's all due to the fact that this just this movie wasn't well received it didn't do well um like you were talking about the boats and and whatnot disney did have a uh, underwater adventure ride yes established and kind of ready in in the works for Disneyland in the parks, but they quietly scrapped that. And obviously, oh. this was probably meant. F- it, obviously, it was meant for the 2000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah, you know, submarines. They were gonna that had been you know out of commission for a while. They were gonna repurpose that, and they said, "We'll just leave this a relic over here. We're not gonna invest and any money." Now in Now we're gonna change the Finding Nemo. Yeah, <laughs> a few years later, right? <laughs> the actual money maker on mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, so. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> Moving on <laughs> to the king of Atlantis, Mr. Leonard Nimoy. Yes, I don't enjoy that he doesn't have like irises that bother He's anyone. Blind. I know, but <laughs> it like, bothers me. <laughs> this is the greatest joke during the commentary. He's like, he would have been a teacher, but he had no pupils. But <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, he was blinded by the light at the very beginning. And so that's like he was legitimately legitimately blind. And I guess that's just what happened with that light. Don't look into the light. That makes I a can't. lot more sense now. It's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but he's great. He's Leonard Nimoy. He's just top notch. Top notch. He's got so much you can every time he talks, you can just hear the regret in his voice of the time. Mm. You can hear the like fear that came from that time. And he's ultimately hiding something, which yeah. we don't know until you know the big reveal, but Yeah. I just he did a great job. And then right after that, obviously, everyone goes bad. So they go and they, they have their little sea well, dive. Yeah, and... I was like, oh, you speak the language. You know, so that was one thing is okay, we're gonna we're going to right the wrongs we made with Pocahontas because Mo- Pocahontas could magically understand the language because of the leaves right. and the colors <laughs> of the wind. But, like, no one really bought it, right? <laughs> but this, oh, oh their language is rooted in all languages, sort of like the Tower of Babel. Right. And so that's why they can understand and conveniently speak Every all language. language. So that is my, if you guys remember my Incredibles episode when we did, like, what was our, the Roto Supers. <laughs> that was my idea. Ideal superpower to understand everything. So you want to be an Atlantean? I do. Or Rosita Stone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I miss Mason. So good. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Go back and listen to that episode. It's a it's a good one. Um, But yeah, this is the point where they've done their underwater sea exploration. They've kind of figured out what the actual power source was of the, Mm -hmm. the star. Um, the we crystal. meet. We meet the Atlanteans, and then they're like, "Oh, you speak the language. Go, go check out the girl, and, right, and go, right. you know, get in her inner circle." <laughs> yeah, and she's interested in him and the fact that he has answers she wants to know, and he's interested in her. That well, she, she has answers that he, he can wants read. To know. <laughs> yeah, that is very unfortunate. That's They've so... lost the ability to read. That is so. Well, unfortunate. They, they actually have the ability to read. They just, you know. Well, can't. they've over thousands of years. They've just stopped reading. I guess that seems that seems like something that you're telling me. I feel the like the dad just forgot how to read. I feel like that's something you well, can't he, unlearn. It. He can't. Well, he's blind. He's blind. And I'm sure they didn't make any braille books. <laughs> okay. Okay. So he can read, but, but... he didn't teach his four year old daughter at the time. Well, maybe she was four hundred. You know. Like, yeah. As long as they were living, Which I want to be one of them. Seriously. <laughs> After thousands of years later, you're still looking great, man. <laughs> so everyone goes bad. <laughs> and then you have the point where they're, they finally find where the, the heart of Atlantis is. So they go down into the little water elevator thing. And, and now, obviously, like Kida is having the same fate as her mom. She gets abducted by the light. And, okay, here's the thing. When she like walks right directly under it and is looking straight up, and you have that uh-huh. that just effect that if, well, it's just like that point of view, or mm-hmm. like you're just looking straight up. It always bugged me because <laughs> <laughs> I never liked that shot. 
I just felt like it was just too weird and like her stomach poked out weirdly. <laughs> and, it was, and I'm sure, you know, they thought this was oh, such a cool shot from above. <laughs> nope, Chelsea no, was not a fan. I was not a fan. Can I talk about before that? Yeah. I loved the reveal about where the heart of Atlantis was. Yeah. I thought it was very clever yeah. that, you know, the A and the, it you know, had the little dot right there. And it was the little riddle of the king's eye can right. see the heart of Atlantis. You know, unfortunate that the basically Clayton, what's his name? He's like a mix of Clayton and McLeach to me. McLeach. <laughs> <laughs> Rourke. It's just a shame that, I mean, Rourke, I mean, hey, he's no scrub. He's no. a smart guy. So yes. he figures it out and then they head down there. Yes. You know, this part, uh, you start to lose me a bit because there's a lot of elements that I'm like, what is happening? They get resolved and they get explained by the dad later. Like, oh, she's had the same fate as the mom. And right. at first you're like, wait, what? Why? Why is she going to this thing? What's happening? Well, here, the thing that bugged me was why, right when they're like putting her in the little casing. And, like, the Atlanteans don't do anything. Oh, yes. They're just yes. kind of standing there, like, eh, taking our heart. Well, but what is that going to be? Like, what if, honestly, if you're working these, you know, treasure hunters, what, are, what you're going to sell this woman? Like, right. Come on. <laughs> well. It makes, it makes no sense. They're going to sell. It's a power source. And so that they're hinting at. But this is, once again, that I learned in the commentary. <laughs> like, I had to go to the commentary to learn these things. <laughs> like, they were hinting at the fact that they were tr- going to be able to sell this power source to the highest bidder of, like, whatever country decides oh, they Oh, that was not clear at all. No, yeah. No, I thought they were just looking for the power source to sell it as a shiny trinket. Okay, yeah. You no. know what I mean? As just something to, to sell and make money. Yeah, and then you have the part where he's, like, driving away. Did you Did you understand that whole joke of, like... Um, P.T. Barnum P.T. Barnum was right did you under get, get that? Uh, I guess I did not pay attention to it okay there's this one part where he's driving away after everybody's decided they've had their conscience cleared yes I'm going to stay behind and help Milo Ugh. and so everybody like leaves I don't know like, if the time out I don't know if that necessarily redeems anyone in my book <laughs> really like or you have a change of heart at the last minute and now I'm supposed to like you no this whole time, you were all against him. You were conspiring against him. And well, it's like, oh, just kidding. I feel bad. They kept saying, oh, we, there weren't supposed to be people down here. Yes, this should even Helga. This this changes everything. Yeah. This changes nothing. <laughs> you know, so he's basically just the the kook that the keeps going. Guy. And yeah. everybody else is just like, oh, we're getting paid for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is not really what I signed on for, but it's I, I signed on. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the P.T. Barnum quote is there's a sucker born every minute. And so after everybody leaves, he's like, P.T. Barnum was right, you suckers. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. That's, uh, there are fun little quotes that they threw in for to bring in the time period, but at the same time, it was hard. <laughs> like you, That's something that you would have to <laughs> look up. And then they go into the next scene, which is the fight scene. You know, everybody's yes. like, oh, we're going to go, going to go get him. You know, oh, well, no, they go and they figure out, they go and talk to the king. Yes. And then the king finally fills in the gaps and like tells you what's going on. And you're like, ah, this makes sense. I see. Ah, I see. Yes. I know he was the one of the causes yeah. of this, which is very unfortunate. And yet another reason why we have the overprotective father, just like in Moana, you know, yes. who has done something bad and now is protecting the daughter from doing a similar thing. You know, here, he's done something horrible, basically destroyed a civilization. <laughs> right. And now is protecting his daughter from, you know, likewise doing so. Right. Yeah, that's basically just what it is. So yeah, they go into this big fight scene. It to me doesn't mean doesn't mean much. I felt like this whole movie for the most part was rushed. Yeah. We rush into going on the adventure. That goes pretty quick. We don't spend that much time with the coolest part about this movie and the whole thing it's called Atlantis. Right. I feel like we only really have 10 minutes of exploring, you know, the world of Atlantis and then we move on to Oh, we've kidnapped the princess, and now she's you know, our... She's our trinket. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and then, you know, fight scene. And I would have liked to... I guess this is why I like Pocahontas. I feel like Pocahontas has a really good flow. Yeah. Like you, to me, I care more about the you know Pocahontas and her tribe than... Well, I guess we, we equally learn about both, but I felt like we didn't get to learn as much about the people of Atlantis. It's more they just tell us, like, oh, yeah, here's what happened here, here's what happened yeah. here, here's what happened here. Bye. Yeah. And this fight scene, as mentioned before, I mean, it, it's it got a lot going on. You got 
This was one part where like Rourke like jumps off of the hot air balloon, yeah, and he's like swinging on this rope, and I'm like, rope burn, ow! And then he like knocks over Helga, knocks her out of the whole oh, thing. Doesn't even care about doesn't her. Doesn't even care at all, and it's just like, oh my gosh, like, well, that the thing is like, how in the world did she live? Like that was that fall had been like, I don't know, a hundred <laughs> feet at least. And she lived just to enough to say it's nothing personal. Boom. Yeah, yeah. You're dead too. Um, I just felt like hey, that. it's it's cool when a it bad was, guy kills another bad guy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all good. That. Oh man. And then they finish him. You know, he in turn finish him. Finish him. <laughs> he turns into a walking ball of something or other. That, like that was another question I had. <laughs> what is happening here? Like, it obviously was not meant for his blood. Yes. Royal blood only. But still. Yeah, it was weird. So there's the big explosion. Uh, Vinny says, wasn't me. And then the volcano is about to erupt. They're coming out. And this was actually one of my favorite parts is when they, where the protectors of Atlantis come out of the ground. And it reminded me, I just watched the Harry Potters again. Uh-huh. And it reminded me of in the last, you know, the fight scene where you got... Um, Miss Professor McGarnacle, she's like, oh, I yes. always wanted to use that spell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then you just, it wraps it up really nicely in the fact that, oh, good, now they survived once again. Mm-hmm. Not sure how, but yeah. their power source knows all and supplies <laughs> all that they need. Well, and then I just love the part where, you know, they're they're leaving and they're like, is there anything else we could do? And they, I just wish there were more we could do. Oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah, you're good. It shows a giant, basically pile of money. Yeah. Like a mound, almost a little mound of, big yeah, mounds of money. A giant mound of money. It's just, yeah, we're good. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> they all have their own we, crystal. Hey, they all have they, their own thing. They came down here for gold and riches. and That's what they got. That's what they got. So, hey. And, hey, everyone gets their own crystal. Souvenirs. Yeah. Nice. This is another thing that I'm sure Disney at the theme parks thought. Oh, everyone's going to want to have their own crystal. I'm pretty sure you can't even find that at the parks anymore, but man. I'm not bummer. even sure if did they even go through with it and have no, it. No, probably not. Probably I mean, not. yeah. I'm glad to know that Fluffy the cat got taken care of afterward, though. Oh, of course. <laughs> hey, I'm, there may be some, some parts of this movie that don't make sense, but they made sure to cover their bases on the cat. <laughs> on the cat at the beginning. Uh, so Whitmore is at the end. It was really sweet, though. I th- I thought the ending was really nice with the picture of, like, yeah. I hope that you think that this is, you know, enough proof. Sure convinced me. Yeah. That was cute. <laughs> I was like, that was nice. Hell, I- and then everyone in their, like, rich clothes with their <laughs> jewels. And then they're, they're coming up with their fake story about what <laughs> happened to everyone. So good times. Oh. So all in all, I would have to say, as far as a rating, I'm not sure. I give this three stars just for the fact they did follow the recipe really well and it but they were missing the secret sauce i know the secret sauce (laughs) i mean there's only so much you can do without it yeah i agree so i exactly give it three stars yeah it was good actually a lot better than i remembered but not good enough that I ever need to go back and watch it again for a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? Give it, give it a couple years. Yeah, and I felt that it was very rushed. Like, it, it was actually a longer Disney movie than others. It was maybe close to an hour and 45 minutes. Yet, at the same time, I felt so rushed. Every scene, just we had to get from here to here to here to here to here. Yeah. You know, Milo is a great character. And Kida, man, I wish I could learn I a little bit more about her. But, nope. She turns Helga. into a oh, Helga. Helga. Yeah, can we have just a Helga movie? <laughs> the like, prequel. Helga. Yes, yes. Let's do it. How she got ripped. <laughs> Her um, workout videos. Yeah. <laughs> just, if you had someone like a, please fan art that. <laughs> just like a full series of Helga workout videos. Yes. Like that is instead of prequels, in. that's all we need. Oh I'm my in. gosh. <laughs> All right, so on to our voicemails. Woohoo! Hello, this is Alex calling in to give my review of Atlantis the Lost Empire. In her YouTube review of Brother Bear, Roto Writer Rachel Wagner subtitles the film Make a Different Choice. Unfortunately, I think that this subtitle can be applied to Atlantis as well. 
this film had so much potential and there were so many talented people working on it that it is difficult to understand why everything could not come together. But it didn't, and Atlantis is, as a result, one of my least favorite Disney films. The plot isn't that memorable or even comprehensible. I didn't fully understand it until I looked up the plot online years after I first watched it. The characters aren't that memorable, and I didn't really like the animation style that much, despite the fact that it was unique for Disney. Um, I did like the score. I thought that was memorable and it stuck with me. But other than that, I can't think of anything to praise. I give this film two and a half stars. All right, guys, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Animation Addicts podcast. And thanks to Maggie for suggesting Atlantis the Lost Empire for our patron pick. Our next episode is going to be over Dumbo. So Woo-hoo. be sure to send in your voicemails, rotoscopers.com slash voicemails or 406-646-6575. We are going to be doing that. And there's a lot of really awesome patron picks coming up. We're excited to do them. And if you would like to have your own patron pick, go to rotoscopers.com slash Patreon to go check out the perks of becoming a Rotoscopers patron, and it's a great way to support the show. You can also support the show by shopping on Amazon using our Amazon affiliate link. Rotoscopers.com slash Amazon is where you can start your shopping and get everything you need there. We also have t-shirts left. There's only about 15 left. So if you are an extra small or a large and extra large, then these are the shirts for you. <laughs> if you're a small or medium, well, I'm very sorry. We might do another it's run of shirts at another <laughs> another point of time. But as far as clearing out our inventory of the Roto shirts, uh, extra small and large, extra large, we're looking for you. Go to rotoscorpus.com slash shirt. Um, by the way, they're only 99 cents. <laughs> and then you just pay shipping to your country. There's a little calculator that you put in and it, it automatically adjusts the shipping based on where you live. So we're not getting paid anything on the shipping and basically it's 99 cents just to 99 cents why not so go get the shirts they're limited they're running out 15 extremely 15 limited extremely <laughs> awesome and also if you like the show and you think other people would like the show as well and you listen to this on itunes or stitcher radio go on there and please give us your feedback on there it does help the podcast you know, there was a point in time where we were getting so many at it, like all at once, that they even added us as a feature on iTunes. Yes, because we were getting so many at that time. Yes, and so your so but. they do make a difference, and that's how other people and fellow animation addicts can find the show. Uh, also, if you can't do any of those, the least you can do tell your friends. Yeah, follow us on social media too. You can also find follow each of us at our individual locations on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Also my website. So you just type in our names. We've got Morgan Stradling and Chelsea Robson. Boom. Boom. Well, guys, it has been one fantastic episode. One right after another. We love it. Minority Couch is mm-hmm. a great place to be. Hope you join us next time. But until next time, we, we are the Rotoscopers. Rotoscopers.